You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 471 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on this fine Monday evening. The Atlanta Hawks are making their way, I think they're probably already there at this point in time, from Los Angeles to uh, up to up to the Bay Area to take on the Golden State Warriors on Tuesday evening. But before we get to that, today's podcast will be uh, an, a mailbag edition, a couple of interesting questions that sort of uh, paved the way to some, uh, some big picture thoughts that I already was going to probably share this week, so it actually worked out pretty well. And we'll cover uh, quite a bit of ground here. Not a uh, not a huge news and notes episode. There's not a whole lot going on other than the fact that Dwayne Debman's going to miss uh, again on Tuesday with personal reasons. That's, of course, uh, tied to the birth of his first child with his girlfriend. So congrats to Dwayne uh, in advance, um, whatever that um, whatever that actually happens. But uh, he'll be out again on Tuesday. So that's something that where the Hawks are going to be operating shorthanded against the Warriors. Not, not exactly the spot that you want to be uh, operating shorthanded, but at the same time, probably some extra small ball there with Amari Spellman at center or something like that. So uh, plenty to talk about on that game. Game. When, it, when it all happens on Tuesday night, and we'll come back on Wednesday morning. But before we get to uh, everything else um, on the podcast, let's just go in the mailbag and talk about what's going on here. So the first question comes from Jeremy on Twitter, and he asks, what happens to the rotation when John Collins returns to full-blown action? Um, I will say, reading between the lines and listening to what Lloyd, to what head coach Lloyd Pierce has said, it sounds like Collins is pretty close, but they want to see him go in a full-go practice. That's not happened yet. The team isn't probably going to be doing that on the road trip. I know he's on the road trip, uh, so I guess the door is open for Collins to return at some point along the way, but Pierce has said, I guess, multiple times now that he wants to see Collins in a full contact practice, and the Hawks haven't really had one of those in a while, so we'll see what happens there, but it might be a couple uh, couple more games before he's actually back, so we'll at least say that out loud before we get to the actual question. Um, I do think when Collins comes back, it may not be his first game, but eventually, in short order, he'll be back to a starting power forward role. I said this before; I think he's still probably better at center. This just this, that's just my opinion, and not one that everybody shares. Um, with that said, full stop, he's easily the best power forward option on the roster right now. He's also the best athlete on the roster by a large margin, and that's something that's, that's even Lloyd Pierce has said recently. It's just that Collins brings that uh, extra level of burst that the Hawks just don't have right now. And with that as a backdrop, he'll definitely be a starting power forward when he comes back. As long as Alex Lynn and Dwight Debbin are both on the roster, they'll probably play most of the minutes at center. Um, there's obviously 48 minutes to go around there between those two guys. With that said, I would like to see Collins play some center. I'd also, I also would like to see Amari Spellman play some center at times. So uh, some minutes that would be interesting to see how um, Pierce distributes those minutes. But obviously, Lynn and Debbin are basically one possession players at this point in time. The question for me, though, is what happens with uh, actually behind John Collins. I would imagine that Lloyd Pierce will keep playing Spellman as the backup four. He's been starting. Um, I actually support that. You know, I'm kind of on record saying that Spellman probably isn't a four, in my opinion. With that said, I do think you, that you need to play Amari Spellman because um, he's a first-round pick and someone who you want to have um, in, in the future. And when he's competing against guys like Vince Carter and Alex Poitras for minutes, I think Spellman probably need to get those needs to get that time on the floor. So. If the best way to play a Mars Spellman as a, as, a, as a backup uh, power forward, I'm okay with him doing that. Um, even if it's not the best use of him, probably long term, just want to get him on the court. That's probably a good idea. So I do think that Lloyd Pierce is going to play. 10 or 11 guys on a regular basis. It's kind of been the operating procedure this year. At times, they've got to 12 uh, in the rotation, but for the most part, it's 10 or 11 most nights. Um, I think there are a couple of locks, obviously. Uh, Alex Lynn, Dwayne Debman, 
John Collins, Torian Prince, Kent Bazemore, DeAndre Bembry, Kevin Herter, Trey Young, and Jeremy Lin are pretty much locks for the rotation. That's nine spots. Um, that kind of leaves a lot, a lot of wiggle room from there. I think one or two more spots. That kind of uh, includes Amari Spellman, who I would be playing if it was my choice. Um, Vince Carter, Alex Poitras when he's around. Also, Tower Dorsey and Miles Plumley. I think Dorsey and Plumley are definitely the guys who will not be in the rotation. And then you add in... As an additional thing, um, Justin Anderson's going to be coming back at some point along the way. Obviously, there's a little bit less attention on Anderson because he's not he's not quite the high profile player that Collins is and hasn't been in Atlanta very long. But um, something that gets interesting there is just what happens when he when he's available. Because coming into the year, I probably would have told you that he was ahead of Vince Carter and Alex Poitras in terms of the pecking order. Um, you know, obviously getting a late start. I'm not sure what he's what he's going to look like. And uh, Anderson's not a pure power four, but he's someone who can play there. He's sort of a three four hybrid in my opinion. So. I'm not sure what the Hawks will do with Anderson. I like his game. I always have. But will the Hawks play him at the four? I'm not really sure if they'll do that. I'd be pretty surprised if he took away minutes from Bembry or Herter at this point in time. So Anderson might just get buried in the way that Daniel Hamilton has. But something to also keep in mind is that there's another body coming back at, at, at some point in the, very, in the near future with Anderson, and he's a, a more established player than someone like Hamilton or, Hamilton or Dorsey, so he might factor in. I'm not sure if he will, but it's something also just to keep in mind for the future when it comes to rotation. So I hope that helps you. I mean, you know, nine guys I think are pretty much locks, and then after that, I would go with Amari Spellman as the backup, as the backup power forward and kind of go with that four-man, big-man rotation of, um, of Collins, Spellman, Deadman and Len, um, and then we'll kind of go from there as to what uh, what else happens. So, but hopefully John Collins will be back soon, and uh, the, Haw- uh, the Hawks will obviously be a lot better when he returns. Um, next question comes from Peter on Twitter, and he asks a sort of a three-pronged question: Why isn't Tyler Dorsey in the rotation? Will Daniel Hamilton ever play? And what would happen? Um, what would have to happen for Jalen Adams to come back to Atlanta? So that's a sort of three-pronged thing. The the easy answer on Dorsey is that Kevin Herter has beaten him out for that spot. There really isn't too much in the way of wiggle room there. I think Herter is obviously a better prospect than Dorsey. I'm not sure that there's probably somebody that thinks that's not true, but I think for the most part, the consensus is that Herter is a better prospect, and I definitely feel that way. Among those two guys, um, and because of Herder's prospect status and his youth, I, I mean, it makes all sense in the world to play him over Dorsey. Dorsey is a one is a one position player. He's definitely a pure shooting guard. And even if you like him and think him think he's better than I do, I just can't see a scenario where he beats out um, Herder moving forward. So Dorsey probably just needs an an injury to get on the court. At some point, it's going to happen. You'll lose a guy. Obviously, he did, he did join the rotation once uh, last week when there was a one game injury. But there's also a game where he where he actually didn't play, and the Hawks went with three wings, which was an eyebrow raiser for Dorsey, I'm sure. Um, but just something that's, that's kind of the easy explanation as to why he's not playing. Um, I do think that if you had to find a spark plug offensively, he's definitely capable of that. He can shoot, he can shoot it. Obviously, he has a skill set. But Herder's just a better player at this point, which kind of which kind of explains that. Uh, as for Hamilton. You know, at some point he's probably going to play. I mean, he's on the roster. I do think he's the most obvious candidate if the Hawks have to make a move to keep Alex Poitras, which is not uh, not immediately going to happen. But Poitras has been in Atlanta for a long time now, with kind of no signs that he's going to go back to Erie. I mean, maybe when John Collins returns, they'll send Poitras back to Erie, just kind of uh, watch his clock a little bit. But until then, his days are uh, rapidly going away. And if it gets to 45 and the Hawks want to keep him, they probably will have to cut you know, Hamilton. He's kind of the, uh, the obvious candidate. You know, you could probably argue that he's a better asset than Miles Plumlee, but Plumlee's signed for a lot more money and also signed in the next year, whereas Hamilton is an expiring contract on a, on a minimum. He's an interesting player in some ways. I do kind of like the thought of Daniel Hamilton, but at the same time, uh, that's kind of an open question. I think at some point he's going to play, uh, whether it be because of injury or just they want to try him at some point, see what they have. But um, I, I kind of doubt that he'll be in a rotation at any point this year unless there's a couple of injuries along the way. Uh, as for Adams, 
Coming back to Atlanta, he's on the two-way. They can bring him back kind of whatever they want to. With that said, there's no reason to do that unless one of the point guards is injured for more than one game, I would say, because if it was just a one-game injury, maybe you just pop him, pop Adams back from Erie, but they can also get through the game pretty easily with Bazemore or Bembry um, and even Hamilton, honestly, as uh, guys who can handle the ball a little bit. So I think Adams to come back would have to be, if there was an injury, uh, you know, maybe not long-term, but more than more than a game or two to uh, either Trey Young or, or Jeremy Lin. That's kind of the only way that I see him getting real play playing time in Atlanta this year. And even then, I'm not sure that uh, Pierce would just go to him as the backup point guard. We've seen that now a couple times where Lynn was, uh, you know, not, I guess, early on in, in camp when we, not, we, we, weren't, we weren't exactly sure about Lynn. Um, it still wasn't um, necessarily Jalen Adams as the backup, backup point guard, and they would kind of probably go into a Pierce Mio unit. But I'm sure they want to call him up just for insurance if they were to lose a guy uh, at, at, at the point guard spot. But still, Adams is a long way off. Uh, he's, he's definitely number uh, number 17 of 17 of guys who are guys who are going to play this year in terms of actual minutes in the NBA. The 15 guys, and then Poitras are all ahead of him. And uh, you know, I kind of like Jalen Adams as a prospect, but he's not going to be someone who's going to make an impact this year in Atlanta, barring some interesting circumstances. Um. Before we get to the rest of the mailbag, there are a couple more questions that I want to address, including a draft-related one. Uh, but before we get to that, I do want to tell you about the good folks at my bookie. You know, ever since I started this podcast, and well before that, people have asked me for advice when it comes to betting on sports, and usually it's what teams to wager on. But the truth is, I don't really always know who's going to win. With that said, if you think you that you know, you got to check out mybookie.ag. Because who you're betting with is just important as who you're betting on. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. So if you want to lay down some cash and win big today, that's the good spot to do it at mybookie.ag. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. And that's why I'm urging you to make your way to mybookie.ag today because if you win, they absolutely will pay. And they have in-game live betting. They they also have great rewarding player perks. Uh, some of the best in the business there. And if you are uh, if you're a fantasy player, you can even bet the over under on fantasy points per game for certain players that will score in each game. So that's something if you can well, kind of uh, add a little bit of extra juice to uh, your night, that's probably a good way to do that. So please join now, and my bookie will match up match your deposit up to dollar for dollar. So that you'll, they'll match that first deposit for every listener 100% up to $1,000 if you use the promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on. Activate that. That offer. Visit mybookie.mybookie.ag online today. That's mybookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use that promo code when you're signing up. Use that promo code locked on when creating when creating the account to claim the bonus. So if you 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 play, you win, and you get paid with mybookie using promo code locked on. Thanks to MyBookie for sponsoring the podcast. A couple more questions here before we get out of here on this fine Monday. Um, the first one comes from Will on Twitter, and he asks, uh, what's, what's the best reasonable case scenario for Kevin Herter? So, you know, w- within reason, it's always interesting there. Obviously, I think there's like a 1% outcome where Kevin Herter is like a star-level player. Maybe not a super-duper star, but a star-level player. I'm going to say a little bit below that. And also, there's obviously scenarios where he could be worse than that. But best reasonable case scenario, I think there's a path for Herter to be a very good starter on a good basketball team and also perhaps even like a, like a number three player on a good team, that's really high praise. It might not sound like a lot, but for instance, the teams that are like contenders, their third best player is usually like a top 50 guy in the league. That's like a pretty high on outcome for, for Kevin Herter, but still it's one that's at least conceivable. Like there are guys who have um, a lot of his traits that are that kind of player around the league. He struggled some on Sunday in his last game, but in general, I think that Herter's been pretty good defensively based on what I thought he was going to be as a rookie. I do think that there's a path for him to be above average there, even if it's only just slightly on that end of the floor. If he can hold up on that end, that really, really helps his value quite a bit. And I think he has the tools to do that. He's not he's not super long, but he does uh, play the right way and sort of get, get in the way and kind of positionally, he's kind of ahead of the game. He's also a 
really good athlete, um, which is always helpful for a guy who isn't super duper long or strong. Uh, he's going to have to add some bulk, but that definitely there's a path to him um, getting solid defensively. Offensively, he has the ability to create for himself and others, which really helps. The obvious trade of his that's uh, the biggest thing is the, is the high-end shooting. I, you know, he, has, he hasn't shot the ball all that well so far early on, but I think that's going to come. Hers is that kind of shooter. He's a, a borderline elite guy already. I think there's room to grow from there. He might be an elite shooter but when, when all is said and done. Even by NBA standards, he's a really, really good shooter. That goes without saying at this point. But I think he's going to be a role player the vast majority of the time. That's not exactly a bad thing. I think most guys are role players. Like, role player gets, gets stigmatized a lot, and I think uh, even some of the best guys in the league at their positions are still role players and that, that for me that just means that you're not like your absolute focal point of your offense Herder can kind of do that in stretches but I think obviously he's not gonna be the best player on the team if you're trying to be a be- trying to be a good team that's kind of the Troy Young mold if you're if you're looking at it from a Hawks perspective but uh you know Kevin Herter is a has has the pieces to be an elite role player, which is a really good player. Like guys like Al Horford is an elite role player. Clay Thompson, same sort of thing. Like that, that guys who you probably don't want to have to be the, your number one or two options if you're going to try to win a title, but. They have all these different traits. They don't really take anything off the table. Um, you could just be a really, really good player. Like Chris Middleton, for instance, that kind of player. Um, you know, that's a really, really high end outcome for Kevin Herter, but it's not impossible. I think uh, that's, and obviously you're asking me for best case, and that's probably what I'll say there. But I think more reasonably, someone who's going to be, you know, your third or fourth best player, potentially, that, that's, that'd be a really good outcome for Kevin Herter. And I think he has the tools to get there. So I like him quite a bit. It's a good draft pick. I like that. I like what I've seen so far. I would say a long way to go there. It's a, it's a top 20 pick, and he looks, the, he looks the part as that kind of player. So uh, early early returns are good, and we'll see how that is treated moving forward. Last thing, and uh, it's going to be kind of a big answer, so I'm going to kind of be the it's, it's one question, but there's also sort of a, a lot of different ways to answer it. Uh, it comes from Jamie on Twitter, and he said uh, he or she, I'm not actually not sure why. Jamie's one of those names that can go either way. So my apologies. I saw you tweeting about. Um, the lottery odds on Monday, how does that affect the Hawks and how they might treat the rest of the season? So I tweeted about this a little bit. Um, the lottery odds are flat this year. I've talked about this a little bit over the summer, but if you're a new listener, welcome aboard first and foremost. But I, I will do a lot of draft stuff on this podcast. Part of that is the Hawks um, you know, being a team that is going to be interested in the draft this year, obviously, because of their uh, their implications moving forward. But uh, at the same time, the lottery uh, has changed. The odds have changed from last year to even this year. I'm not going to quite get into the scouting report stuff just yet. I will say that Zion Williamson's been unbelievable so far at Duke. Also, R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish have been crazy good at Duke. Um, I think Zion's the number one pick in the draft at this at this moment. I, I was not there uh, even a couple of months ago, so uh, he's come a long way for me. I don't think it's like over already where Zion's the number one pick for sure. I do think that he's the number one pick right now, and uh, he shows you know his his tools are kind of outrageous. The package, he's a very interesting player. Uh, not a traditional um, number one overall pick in terms of you know the fact that he's like 280 already. It's kind of just a crazy package, but he's been great early on. Uh, we'll talk much more about about those guys in the future. Also, the Hawks, and I guess Hawks fans shouldn't be forgetting about players like Nas Little at uh, at UNC, Quentin Grimes at Kansas, Bull Bull. There's all all kinds of guys because of uh, you know between Atlanta's pick and Dallas's pick, the Hawks will be very interested in like the in like like the top you know 10, 12 guys in this class, and uh, we'll talk more about those guys obviously. Uh, as for the lottery odds, you know last year the Hawks finished with a bottom 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 tier record and, and were rewarded as such with, with the number th- number three pick. This year though, the odds are flatter than ever before. The number one pick in the class, uh, sorry the number the number one team in the lottery, I should say, the team with the worst record, which right now is the Cleveland Cavaliers, 
would have only a 14% chance at number one pick. So I think you know all the jokes are maybe not jokes about Zion Williamson and the Hawks. Makes sense. It's not the it's not the NFL though. You can't just flat tank and get and get the number one overall pick. I understand the impetus to be uh, to be bad, and there is some reward in being the worst team in the league um, record wise, and that you can't fall further than fifth. And there is value in that, but it used to be that you couldn't fall further than fourth. So that's kind of changed a little bit. But it's very flat. The, the top three teams in the in the lottery, in terms of the worst three teams in the league, all have 14% chance at number one pick. From there, it's 12.5% for number four, 10.5% for number five, and so on and so on. So it isn't quite the lock that it used to be. In fact, this is pretty jarring. I tweeted about this a little bit as well today, but the team with the worst record in the NBA only has a 40.1% chance at a top three pick. So if you're the worst team in the league this year, for instance, Cleveland or Phoenix or Atlanta or whoever it's going to be, um, that team only has has less than a coin flip chance at a top three pick, which is crazy to consider based on the way that the lottery used to be. And that team only has a 50, 52% chance at a top four pick. So you could fall to five as often as you are in the top four if you're, if you're the number one team in the lottery, and that kind of uh, is kind of brutal. So it comes down to luck at the end of the day, and I think we'll talk about that quite a bit. At the end of the day, you know, it comes down to just the ping pong balls and how they treat you. But positioning-wise, there's a lot of wiggle room here. Like The Hawks are not guaranteed even a top three or four pick, even if they're the worst team in the league. At, the, at this point in time, I would guess that the Hawks won't be. It's possible that they will be still. I do think, though, there is a, a better than likely chance that the Hawks are not are not picking. Maybe not. Sorry, picking is the wrong word. Are not the are not, are not the team that has the best lottery odds when they open up. The Hawks will probably be bottom five. I've said that kind of all season long, and the uh, early season does not really speak against that. At the same time. You know, there's a lot of wiggle room there. If you're if you're getting if you're number four or number five, you could be picking number six or seven or eight pretty darn easily. And uh, the same goes in reverse. You know, I know people will always ask about about the Dallas Mavericks pick. Um, that's top five protected. And if Dallas finishes, you know, somewhere in the seven eight range among teams, they could easily get in the top five with some lottery luck. And that kind of uh, that pushes things off for the Hawks. So. Um, a lot of moving parts there. We'll spend basically, I would say, all of April and May on that. Once the Hawks uh, season is over in early April, we'll spend basically that entire month on draft stuff, and then more another full month after that. Once we know what the, what where the picks actually are, but um, we'll do we'll, we'll do draft stuff throughout the season just because I'm I'm very interested in the draft. I cover the draft for Dime Mag, so I'll be dialed in for that. So you'll get a lot of that content from me because the Hawks are interested in the draft for obvious reasons, but. Uh, that's kind of the explain the uh, the explainer for now, uh, just because of the fact that it's not quite as weighted as it used to be, and I think Hawks fans are making a lot of assumptions. At least some of them are with regard to getting one of those top three or four guys, and it's far from a lock. There's a long way to go. But even if the Hawks finish with the worst record in the league. Even if they finish, again, with the worst record in the league, which I would not predict, but even if they did that, they would still have a coin flip chance of being outside the top four. So it's uh, you better you better be familiar with more than just two or three guys in this class. There's a lot of uh, different moving parts, and that's all I'll say about that for now. Um, as for you know specific spe- specific teams, the Hawks, uh, I, I actually tweeted this out earlier, but the, their projected records right now are kind of, all, kind of all over the place when it comes to all these advanced metrics. But uh, somewhere in the low 20s is basically the consensus. There are a couple of, the, couple of the teens, a couple in the higher 20s, but some in the mid to low 20s, which is kind of where I was beginning of the season. I, I had 25. I will say the Hawks are probably in a worse spot than I would have imagined after 13 games because of the fact that John Collins has missed time. They've played the the league's easiest schedule still, even after playing the Pistons and Lakers, who are both, you know, at least fringe playoff teams, if not playoff teams. The Hawks have still have the worst record in the league. I'm sorry, the worst schedule, schedule track in the whole league so far. 
that will probably change considering the next the next three games are all on the road against really good teams in the Warriors, Nuggets, and Pacers. But still, the schedule is going to check going to catch up here for Atlanta. I know you know getting getting Collins back sort of evens that out a little bit, but at the same time, the Hawks didn't really bank a lot of wins against teams that they probably could have beaten. And uh, I've talked about this at length for the next you know four and a half five weeks here. It's really tough sledding. So. At the Hawks, you know, we'll probably learn a lot more about them in about a month if they're able to get a couple of wins on these on these road trips. And you know, they had this long homestand over Thanksgiving that's worth monitoring as well. If they're able to bank some wins there once once Collins comes back, I do think that with with John Collins, this team is not the worst team in the league. It's not even probably one of the worst two or three teams in the league when they had John Collins. But if they're if they're you know three and sixteen or you know four and eighteen or something like that in the next couple of weeks, it's a tough um, sort of um, climb out of that, and which is something to always keep in mind for the future. So. Thank you for listening to the podcast. It's going to kind of do it for today. Again, again, the Hawks are in action on Tuesday night against the Warriors. It's going to be a very, very late night podcast. It's a 10.30 p.m. Eastern time tip on Tuesday, live from Oracle. I will uh, record a podcast somewhere in the neighborhood of 2 a.m. Eastern. So hopefully you guys will be uh, having that for your morning commute on Wednesday morning. But, uh, you know, that's kind of the nature of the beast. When the, when the game tips at, two, uh, at 10.30, then I have to watch it again. So probably won't even start recording until around 2. So be patient with me on that. I really appreciate it. Even all, all the night owls who want the podcast earlier, I appreciate your vigor and your enthusiasm, but it will come when it comes. I promise it'll be there for the next morning. And if nothing else, please subscribe to the podcast. I really appreciate that. And we'll see you guys tomorrow night.